You're listening to the Psalms for Sojourners podcast, in which we look at the Psalms as prayers for God's people on every occasion. We hope it's a blessing to you. Hi, and thanks for listening to another episode of Psalms for Sojourners. I'm Cole Kirby, a pastor at Sojourn Montrose and the regular host of this podcast. In this week's episode, I got to sit down with a covenant member and parish leader, soon to be ordained deacon at Sojourn Montrose, uh, named Derek Pizek. And Derek is really passionate about God's word. Uh, he's passionate about people spending time in God's word, really so not so that they can gain a lot of head knowledge, but so that they can enjoy God for who he is and know him for who he is. And so we talked about that in this episode, um, focusing a little bit on Psalm 119. Um, So overall, just really grateful that Derek joined us this week, and I hope this conversation is as big a blessing to you as it was to me. Thanks for listening. All right, I'm here with Derek Pizek, who is a covenant member and soon to be ordained deacon and uh, parish leader by God's grace at Sojourn Montrose. Derek, it's really good to have you. Thanks for having me, Cole. Um, well, for those um, who are listening, I mean, if they're Sojourn Montrose Covenant members, they likely know you and your wife, Emily. Um, but if not, they probably have no idea who you are. So just tell me a little bit about yourself and um, maybe how you found yourself to end up on the Psalms for Sojourners podcast. Yeah, so uh, Emily and I are both physical therapists, and we got married uh, last November 9th, so just about a year ago. Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, So we met in PT school at Ohio University, um, and I decided to pursue a sports residency with Houston Methodist, so I dragged her down to Houston uh, after the wedding. Ended up at Sojourn. I had looked up a number of churches in the area, showed up to the movie theater. Uh, Marshall gave a sermon. I was like, this seems good enough. Might as well get plugged in. <laughs> um, so yeah, and coming on this podcast, uh, first of all, the Psalms have been incredibly encouraging during this season. Um, and Psalm 119 in particular has been um very meaningful to me throughout my life because of uh, how my dad has highlighted uh, the importance of some of the concepts uh, in this passage um, and just wanted to share uh, his wisdom to me um, through the years with the church. Yeah. So talk a little bit about that. So I generally ask uh, first time guests what role the Psalms play in your life as a Christian. And so you can answer that more broadly, but then I also just kind of want to follow up. And I know there's a story there of, of specifically Psalm 119 being important with your relationship with your dad and the way Mm -hmm. that that he raised you uh, and things that he taught you as a child and a young man. And so why don't you share a little bit about that? Yeah. So starting with the Psalms, I think this summer has been the most, um, time I've spent uh, reflecting and meditating on the Psalms and have really come to appreciate um, the ability for my heart to cry out to the Lord in uh, various aspects, whether that be positively, negatively, um, knowing that um, regardless of uh, 
what I have to say that he still loves me and accepts me um, where I am. Um, as far as scripture as a whole, so my dad was um, extremely big on us spending time in the Word growing up, um, but not just spending time to check it off checklist or establish a moral foundation. He really wanted to instill uh, doctrine, solid doctrines, and uh, understanding of who God is and delight in His Word. Um, so he um, pushed these things not in an overbearing, this needs to be your moral standard because I said so and that's the way it is, but more so that um, this is who God is. Um, learn about Him, um, study Him, and delight in His character and His ways and what He has to say about Himself and us and how we relate to Him. Yeah. And so how does... One, that's that's really cool, like that your dad was so thoughtfully engaged in like discipling his children. Um, and it sounds like he had an infectious love for the Lord mm-hmm. um, that clearly has been impactful and beneficial in, in you growing up in your faith. Um, but how how did Psalm 119 specifically like play into your dad uh, kind of calling you to take the scripture seriously and to enjoy God as he reveals himself in his word. Yeah. So every, um, kind of new season in life, my dad would give me a Bible and, um, write a letter on the front of it. And it always included Psalm 119, nine through 16. Um, and it was just, um, knowing how, him and my mom were constantly in prayer for me and wanted the best for me was so meaningful. That is meaningful. That's beautiful. Um, yeah. The, uh, and, and so when you say like a new season in your life, like starting middle school or like, like becoming a teenager or whatever it was, like they're like big milestones, your dad, your parents give you a new Bible and your dad's writing a letter and highlighting Psalm 119. Yeah, it was basically when I outgrew the old one, whether it was just had been dropped on the ground too many times or my reading level had graduated. Right, like um, you had a kid's study Bible and it was time for a more adult Exactly, yeah. exactly. So basically graduated high school, got out of the picture book. Got got the one I couldn't have. <laughs> you got the one with the yeah. the punctuation and everything. Um, well, cool. Well, th- I think that's a good transition into the psalm, um, which for our listeners, it's probably readily obvious by now. And you're, you've probably seen the title of the podcast, but we're going to be discussing uh, Psalm 119. And, and if you're listening, you probably know that Psalm 119 is the longest chapter in the whole Bible. Uh, and we're not going to discuss all of Psalm 119, although um, I wish we could do a bunch of podcasts on that. I wish I had the time and the energy to make that happen. Um, but Psalm 119 broadly is a psalm that is really a love letter to God's word. Um, it's, it's a love letter to God's Law, both his commandments and the way that he reveals his character in his word. Um, and there is language throughout Psalm 119 that is 
it's kind of jaw dropping. I think especially for um, more like Western evangelicals, where when we think of God's commandments and His law, we can kind of think of that as an oppressive thing or like this burdensome to do list. But like the author of Psalm one nineteen is talking about it like almost with romantic language, like this mm. this beautiful desire to know those things. Um, and so we'll get into that a little more. But if you want to read um, the the portion that you want to discuss today, I don't know if that's starting in verse 1 or verse 9, um, but that's up to you. Okay. I'll read from verse 1 just because it kind of flows, but the section my dad would highlight was 9 to 16. Okay. Um, Blessed are those whose way is blameless, who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with their whole heart, who also do no wrong but walk in his ways. You have commanded your precepts to be kept diligently. Oh, that my ways may be steadfast in keeping your statutes. Then I shall not be put to shame. Having my eyes fixed on all your commandments, I will praise you with an upright heart when I learn your righteous rules. I will keep your statutes. Do not utterly forsake me. How can a young man keep his way pure? By guarding it according to your word. With my whole heart I seek you. Let me not wander from your commandments. I have stored up your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I declare all the rules of your mouth. In the way of your testimonies I delight. As much as in all riches, I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Derek. Um, Well, I guess to start, aside from the, the obvious way in which this passage is meaningful to you in that it has... Uh, this deep relational history with your your parents and especially your dad. Um, Based on the conversations we've been having kind of in preparation for this podcast, there are some concepts here and some language here that really speak to some things you're really passionate about. Mm -hmm. And so you want to just briefly just kind of introduce why Psalm 119 was where you wanted to focus in? Yeah, so a little bit of background on... Um, just kind of evangelical um, where we are in the present in terms of understanding who God is um, and what his character and how we relate to him. Um, There was a study done by Ligonier Ministries um, that sent out a survey to evangelicals and non-evangelicals. And of the evangelical uh, answers, there were some pretty staggering answers statistics in what people answered. So I'll give you a couple of them. 30% of evangelicals believe Jesus was a great teacher, but not God. 46% believe the Holy Spirit is a force, but not a personal being. 39% believe worshiping alone or with family is a valid replacement for church. And 39% will uh, always believe that they will be rewarded with material blessings for their faith. Um, And that's just not the God and the truths that are revealed in the Bible. Um, And so I have a strong passion for um, kind of helping people um, see who God really is and not who we want to make him out to be 
um, without actually searching the scriptures. Uh, I saw it from Tim Chalice. I'm not sure if it's his quote or not, but every, everyone is a theologian. Um, you're either a bad one or you're a good one. So every Christian has an obligation to study who God is, to understand um, his character um, and his word uh, for our lives. And uh, none of us um, can, can get away from knowing who God is and still be pursuing him. Yeah, and, and and that data that that you gave from from the the poll that was done, I mean to to sort of synthesize that a little bit for our listeners, I mean essentially what we have are over a third of self-professing evangelical Christians saying that Jesus isn't God. Almost half of self-professing evangelical Christians saying that the Holy Spirit is not a person and also staggering numbers saying essentially that the church is unimportant. Um, and, and what that means is that while people are calling themselves evangelical Christians, which is, you know, his, which is at least societally understood to be maybe the most, um, to use more secular lingo, Bible thumping of the, of the Christian denominations and traditions, we have people who are, I mean, if you don't believe Jesus is God, you're not a Christian. Like you're just, like you can call yourself a Christian, but you're not a Christian because Christianity is rooted in the idea that Jesus is God. And, and so I, I, I think kind of what you're saying, or correct me if I'm wrong, is that, is that knowing that that's the reality in the church broadly and is your passionate within your current church context um, for making sure that that's not a reality where you have any amount of influence, especially in your neighborhood parish, like to make sure that, that there are not brothers and sisters among you who would, who would miss out on the reality that Jesus is God or that the Holy spirit is a person that like can be accessed and experienced through relationship. Um, is that what you're getting at? Yes, exactly. And I think we're lucky at Sojourn to have, um, elders who, uh, hold the Bible in the highest esteem. We go to scripture each week. We study God's word. Um, so this is being presented to us, but, um, our, uh, co or cooperation or participation in studying God's word and learning about him is not merely consumerism um, on Sundays, but it's also active participation. And um, I think this passage does a really good job of giving some language to uh, how um, kind of glorious and meaningful and wonderful um, knowing God and studying his word truly is. Um, versus some of the ways society may present it. You want to just kind of walk through and point out some some of that language that you're talking about and we can maybe discuss it in a little more depth? Yeah. Um, so let me go ahead and get this real quick. Um, so... If you look in verse 7, I will praise you with an upright heart. It brings forth praise from us. Um, 
in verse um, uh, blessed is frequently repeated in verse 12, in verse 1, in verse 2, uh, meditating on God's precepts and his ways in verse 15, delighting in his statutes in verse 16. Um, Seeking I, in verse 10. Exactly. And yeah. I think that um, the delight one uh, resonates most with me because um, along with praising, those are postures that we take when approaching God's word and responding to it, where the other ones are more actions and steps we can we can take to do that. But the um, kind of response of our heart to God's word as praise and delight um, is a huge encouragement. Yeah, and that's something that we were kind of talking about uh, earlier this evening before we recorded um, this this idea that that Christianity isn't fundamentally about f- following a set of rules or a, a to do list of of these are the things that you're supposed to do as a Christian or things you're supposed to avoid, um, but it's fundamentally about experiencing union with Christ and enjoying God, like enjoying him. And that's something that your dad at a young age started instilling in you is this idea that, that, that God is not just this rule maker in the sky, um, who wants you to obey, but he's this glorious and loving father who you can enjoy, enjoy. And, and so that's kind of the language that I, that I see. I mean, I know that even when I read verse 16, I will delight in your statutes. I will not forget your word. I want that to be true for me. Like I want to delight in God's statutes and not see the way that he's called me to live as a, as a burden or as if he's like robbing me from experiencing joy. Cause what Psalm 119 is telling us over and over and again is like, God is giving us more opportunity for joy in in knowing him and in obeying him. Um, and so but knowing that that is something that you're passionate about, what are some of the ways in which you, um, you set aside time or devote energy or focus yourself on having this posture of praise and delighting and enjoying God? Yeah. I think that has fluctuated for me in different seasons of life. Um, and as I've matured in my walk with Christ, um, as I've stumbled in my walk with Christ, um, I think for starters, making that the priority um, and seeing that um, God's word is where he is revealed most clearly. Um, there's a quote from John Calvin Uh, apologize for the old language, so I'll sum it up at the end, but it says, for as the aged or those whose sight is defective, when any book, however fair, is set before them, though they perceive that there is something written, are scarcely able to to make out consecutive words, but when aided by glasses, begin to read distinctly, so scripture, gathering together the impressions of deity, which till then lay confused in our minds, disappeared uh, dissipating the darkness and shows us the true God clearly. So it's that that's basically saying is that scripture is how we see God. And without entering into scripture, um, we're going to be like people who need glasses or 
can't see um, and won't see God's character and his ways revealed for us as they have been in his word. Yeah. Well, and I, I think that plays directly into uh, some of the research that you cited earlier in the podcast, which like if you're going to identify as a Christian and deny that Jesus is God, um, then you have allowed yourself to sit in the confusion of wondering what God is like. And, and I mean, that's what the world around us does. I mean, apart from other religions who though are incorrect in their beliefs about God, they at least have some basis of, of how they're supposed to think, but the world around us, and I think especially kind of secular Western culture, um, there's this sort of Oprah religion of like God is whatever you make it out to be. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and it's, you know, a choose your own adventure story of, of decide what God is like for you and what works best for you. Um, and, and on the one hand, there's something about that that is appealing to people, right? There's this idea that, that, oh, like I don't have to believe, um, that, that these commandments that seem hard are for me, or I don't have to believe, um, in things like hell or, or whatever it is that's really uncomfortable. I can choose to believe something different, um, and choose to think that God's not that way. But it's also really sad, I think, um, and not only from a perspective of wanting people to know God, but it's sad to to think that our neighbors and our friends have these conceptions of who God is and what he's like that are so much less glorious than what he's actually like. And like he's revealed it to us. He has shown us what he's like in his word. Um, like we would be fools not to not to study and not to spend time meditating upon and, and diving in. Because if, if the God who created all things is going to give us a window into understanding what he's like, I mean, why wouldn't, why wouldn't we want to engage? Exactly. And it's not only for acquiring head knowledge for the sake of acquiring head knowledge. Um, it is also what empowers us to do God's work. A um, couple references from the New Testament, 2 Timothy three sixteen through 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be competent, equipped for every good work. Hebrews 4.12, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of the, of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And where we were earlier this year, 1 Peter 2.2, 2, like newborns long for the pure spiritual milk, that by it you may grow up into salvation, if indeed you have tasted that the Lord is good. And this idea that we should long for what God has for us and who he is. Yeah. I, I love that you said it's not only about gaining knowledge about God, but it's like the scriptures also are what make it possible for us to do the work that God's given us to do. Not only in that it tells us what that work is, right? Like we would never know that we're to make disciples if the scriptures didn't tell us to make disciples. Um, 
but also it it empowers us to do that because we're not told to make disciples out of context of who God has revealed himself to be, but rather within the fullness of the context of who God's revealed himself to be. So it only makes sense that we would make disciples. Um, I, and that's one of the things I think in Psalm 119 that is so, so compelling. I think verses 15 and 16 have always uh, been verses that I've gravitated toward, which I will meditate on your precepts and fix my eyes on your ways. I will delight in your statues. I will not for, forget your word. This idea of, of meditating and delighting, um, especially when you see how this stanza began when, with uh, the author saying, how can a young man keep his way pure? Right? Like he's saying, how can I obey God? Like how can I do what is good and, and be holy to any degree? And his conclusion is, well, I, I meditate on the things that God has shown me and I delight in them. Um, because if I give you a task to do, you might really know what it is if you meditate on it. You know, I can tell you, Derek, before you leave, I need you to take out the trash and I need you to meditate on that. And like, you'll know what you're supposed to do. You'll, you'll have thought through taking out the trash. Where are the, where is the trash can? Like all this stuff, but you're not going to be inclined to do it. Um, you will do it maybe if I'm watching you, but you'll probably leave and say you forgot. But if you delight in it, if you realize, oh, there's something really glorious about taking out the trash and start delighting in it, then it, it won't only be something that you, you know to do, but it will be something you want to do. Um, and I think that's what God is revealing to us in his word is like, not only has he shown us the way to live, but he's shown us that it's the most joyful way to live and that we should delight in it. Um, how do you how do you kind of experience those things, or is that something that you feel like you wrestle with on a regular basis? I think uh, if anyone didn't wrestle with that, uh, they would most likely be lying. But <laughs> um, I think just understanding that God has my best in mind, like things are for my good and His glory, um, and that He knows better, like. I come back to Isaiah 55, 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. Like, I'm a crappy God to myself. Yeah. Um, and just understanding that God has revealed his ways to me to assist me in more full life uh, here on earth and in what he's called me to. Um, so I, I think preaching the gospel to myself, preaching um, my need for a savior, um, on a daily basis, not that I need to be resaved every day, but that that was my state before God intervened, um, and just acknowledging God's God's graces uh, in everyday life and His mercies um, brings out more delight in um, what He's called me to, where I am, and all of those sorts of things. Yeah, so. We've kind of hit on. We've hit on this idea of of not only the ability, but but really the call of the Bible, which is to enjoy God, um, and and we've also talked about 
kind of a, a broad cultural movement toward not believing right things uh, about who God is, believing lies about who God is, um, largely as a result of, of ignorance, I would guess. Um, and, and so if somebody's listening here and they're, they're hearing you talk about like your passion for people knowing, like knowing God for who he is, uh, and enjoying him, um, and, and this kind of frustration and fear of a lot of the lies that seem to be believed, even among self-professing Christians, like what would you encourage a listener to do if they were like, okay, well, I, I want to enjoy the Lord more and, and I want to believe rightly. Um, but it doesn't seem that simple. Like, what would you say? Uh, to start by preaching the gospel to yourself, um, like God came down to earth and died for you. Um, a God that's willing to do that is going to uh, shape and mold you and reveal himself to you in the word he's given you. Um, and then after that, just do it. Just spend time in his word, um, meditate on it, really consider and ponder um, what's written and its implications for your life and its truths about him and how we relate to him and how we relate to the world. Uh, I think oftentimes, myself included, we can make excuses with our time or we can um, basically just prioritize other things. Um, Thomas uh, Howard is in my parish and he likes to quote, I have so much to do today. I might as well start by spending three hours in God's word. And I think that's the more of the posture that the church needs, that um, God's word is where we are refreshed um, and where we are um, commissioned and encouraged to live out what he's called us to. And if we're neglecting um, that, we are going to be missing out on a huge part um, of the Christian walk. Yeah. Yeah. I, man, I think that's, that's really encouraging. Um, I mean, it's encouraging on a number of levels. It's encouraging as a brother, um, to, to be spurred on even personally toward, um, a deeper commitment to the discipline of reading scripture and meditating upon it. Um, it's encouraging as a pastor to know that there are men and women in my congregation who like think that that's a real value. Um, and I also think it's encouraging in light of of what God's word says in Psalm 119, which is this constant refrain of, of I will store up the word of the Lord in my heart. Uh, that's uh, verse 11. Like, mm-hmm. I've stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Um, and I think we can read that and think that what is meant is, okay, I've memorized your rules so I won't sin against you. But like God's word holistically, very little of it is rules. Like most of it is about the way that God reveals his love to his people. Uh, and so I'm convinced that what that means is I have stored up your word in my heart. And so I know how much you love me. And that is going to, that is going to keep me from sinning against you because I, I know your deep love for me. And so I would be a fool to run astray. 
Um, but we only get there if we actually like spend enough time in God's word to realize that it's, it's not fundamentally about rules. It's not fundamentally about God being disappointed with us when we fail, but it's about God being pleased with us even though we fail. Um, and yeah, it's encouraging to know that there are people reminding me to store up the word of the Lord in my heart that I might not sin against him. Um, but rather enjoy him. Yeah, that I that feels like a pretty good place to to close. Do you have any final thoughts or or comments? No, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Well, you know, blind squirrels find acorns every now and then. Well, Derek, thank you so much uh, for coming on. Uh, it's been a blessing and an encouragement, and I'm sure it will be for for those who listen. Thank you for having me. Thank you.